Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. John was living out the nickname that Jesus had given to him, a son of thunder. Now, I don't know what had gone into the apostles to make them become so hypervigilant. They had been given a privilege by Jesus to cast out demons by saying they had witnessed casting out demons in the name of Jesus was certainly not one of them. As far as they were concerned, this man did not have the privilege or the name of Jesus behind him. He was not qualified to do what he was doing. The apostles wanted to pick, pick a fight with the man, even though he had done a good thing in the name of Jesus. They did not want him to belong to their exclusive club, even though Jesus had come to establish the church that would include all people. I wonder if the disciples really listened to Jesus when he taught them, or if they simply loved ideas and beliefs they had held on to for a long time. It had only been just a short while ago when they completely failed to sympathize with Jesus when he said, he was going to be delivered into the hands of men who would kill him. Instead of sympathy, they had rather argued among themselves as to who among them was the greatest. Jesus had taught them that the one who wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. He took a child and put him in their midst and said, whoever receives one such child in his name receives me, him, and the person also receives the father. But that had not sank him. They were still only thinking about themselves. As is so often the case, Jesus uses this incident as a teachable moment. And on this occasion too, he brings in the idea of little children for his object lesson. He said to the apostles, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Jesus definitely held little children in very high esteem. And this was in the day and age when children, even though seen as a blessing from God, were not highly regarded. They were to be seen but not to be heard. Children were low-level subordinates, subject to the wishes and whims sometimes of their parents. Jesus, however, did not regard them that way at all. He had a very high regard for them. He wanted the adults to become like little children in order to be and remain members of his kingdom. Now, all that John and the other apostles had tried to do was simply just stop an unknown exorcist from casting out demons. You would think that Jesus would understand that they were trying to protect his name and reputation. What if this unknown man says something doctrinally wrong, something not in agreement or even contrary to the teachings of Jesus? People would blame it on Jesus. After all, it was his name that was being used. And given all that opposition from the religious authorities, about Jesus and his activities of teaching and healing, it would be best if this man were following them. That way, they would protect Jesus from false accusations. 
The religious experts were relentlessly accusing Jesus of usurping God's authority by forgiving the sins of people. They opposed him when he himself cast out demons and healed people because he did some of them on the Sabbath day, thereby breaking the no-work rule of the Sabbath. It didn't matter to them that people were being freed from demon possession and being healed of diseases. They didn't care if the people who had received the healing were themselves very grateful to Jesus. At one time, they even told Jesus that he should have reserved his healing activity on the Sabbath and come back on a different day to heal and cast out demons. Under such circumstances, the apostles felt it would be best to protect Jesus. Except Jesus didn't need protection. Also, at this stage in their walk with Jesus, they felt they had a copyright to his name. They had this understanding that using the name of Jesus without following him was not right. It was cheating. It amounted to an unauthorized use of what would be their trademark, their logo, the name of Jesus. You know how in our day and age, companies spend large amounts of dollars in legal fees to prevent unauthorized use of their names. There was fame and money to be made from the use of Jesus' name to perform miracles. And they were not about to allow an outsider to get in on this new phenomenon they had found, even though, in fact, it was a new phenomenon who had found it. Now, whenever I think of John, I think of someone who is gentle and reserved and chooses his words carefully. But on this occasion, he proves me wrong. That should not be surprising, though, because no one is one-dimensional. If we were among the people privileged by Jesus to be his apostles, we would have done the same thing. Was this man a Christian? The word Christian was, of course, first used for the followers of Jesus after he had ascended into heaven and the disciples were spreading the faith into the Gentile world. They were first called Christians in Antioch. But since Christians are simply believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we can say that a man was a Christian. Jesus regarded him as a believer, though the apostles did not know him. There may be times when we encounter people who do things differently than we do in the Lutheran Church. There are millions, rather billions of people who don't believe exactly the way we do as Lutherans about the Bible. And they may not believe exactly the same way we believe about the words of Jesus. So we may be tempted to say or think that they are not true Christians. Sometimes, anyway. But from what I see in the reading, Jesus is saying that it is not up to us to decide who is and who is not a Christian. We don't have a copyright to his name. Jesus knew some things that the disciples did not know. Jesus has seen things that the disciples had not seen. He still sees things that we cannot see and knows things that we cannot know. He knows the heart of every single person in this world. He knows my heart. He knows yours too. In fact, not just some things, but all things. He knows everything. He knows who is a true Christian. Jesus told them not to stop the man because the man had bound himself to him by using his name. And he also said to them, 
If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter, enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, in a literary reading of what Jesus said, you should expect to see many self-mutilated Christians. In fact, only self-mutilated Christians in the world. The context, of course, tells us that Jesus was stretching language to the breaking point. Still, if you think about it, you will get a picture of him asking us to get rid of our sins to the point of nothing, no sin. Do not cause anyone to stumble in the faith but what you say or do or think. If you do something to any of the little ones of Jesus, you are in trouble. Jesus is saying, watch out, there's trouble ahead for you if you cause these little ones to stumble. Not only do not cause these little ones of Jesus to sin, but do not cause yourself to sin. These little ones of Jesus. There are times I want to be a little one, a child. I mean, I think about their simplicity and lack of knowledge and their purity, not yet spoiled by mundane affairs, the innocence they have. They don't cause people to stumble. They don't do things intentionally to hurt people. They are human beings, part of this world, just as the adults are. But there is something different about them. So that even in the age when they were not highly regarded, Jesus uses them as the example of what we must be and how we must live. I want to be a little one of Jesus. I wish that for you too. I want you to be a little one of Jesus. You would think that these men whom Jesus had personally chosen to be his apostles would know better and behave accordingly displaying innocence when it comes to behaviors and attitudes that ordinary folks in the world would display. But no, they behave just like the world. Jealousies, infighting, selfish ambitions, pride. If they were apostles and behaved like that, then we are off the hook, right? You know the answer, we are not. Jesus wants us to be like the little ones. That is not to say that children have absolutely no sin. We know they do. But they live their lives without pretending to be something they are not. And they live their lives innocently, as far as they can tell. We know that. If we know, then definitely Jesus wants us to know as well. I have to be one of the little ones of Jesus if I want to continue following Jesus. Yes, I know it's too late for me. Too much time has passed for me to be one of the little ones. Or has it? Is it too late for me to be a little one of Jesus? Is it too late for you? No, most certainly not. If it were, none of us would be Christians. There would be no point in us following Jesus. We can all be little ones of Jesus 
every day. How, you ask? By examining ourselves daily. When we do, we will realize that what we confess together in church on Sundays is not and should not be something we take for granted, just words printed on a page or words that have become ingrained in our memory because we've said them so often. To be a little one of Jesus is to be innocent. And we can only and truly be innocent if we have our sins forgiven by the one who has made an unbreakable promise to us to hear us and to forgive us. It brings glory to his name when as he hears us confess that we have sinned against him in thought, word, and deed, he readily forgives. He cannot do otherwise because he has bound himself to his promise to forgive. Be assured, by the grace of God, you are all little ones of God, loved by Jesus, being kept secure by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has left no stone unturned to keep you in the faith. Remain steadfast, unshaken by anything, until that day when you will finally see him face to face, hear his voice, and remain in his presence forever. Yes, by his immeasurable kindness and love that sent him to the cross and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, you are all little ones of Jesus. Amen.